Welcome to another episode of the Dentology Podcast, where we discuss the business of dentistry. In this podcast series, we'll be discussing all the non-clinical aspects of dentistry, from goodwill values, finance, marketing, how to buy and sell a dental practice, mindset, through to where you can invest your money in team management issues. My name is Andy Acton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Trevens. Let's jump straight into it. So welcome to our latest episode of Dentology, the Business of Dentistry podcast. And today we are very fortunate to be joined by Ricky Adams. So Ricky Adams is a dentist, uh, qualified from King's College back in 2008, a cosmetically focused dentist, recently sold his dental practice, um, a big fan of photography and videography, and a advocate for well-being. So we first met Ricky, it was through Clubhouse. And for those that don't know, Clubhouse was a, uh, well, it still is, it's a live chat platform, it's a social media platform and it blew up massively during it lockdown did, yeah. but it blew up and blew down quite <laughs> and we had a wonderful couple of months on it it really was good fun we had loads of chats it was a right gig do you reckon in between there someone managed to sell it you'd hope so, yeah, <laughs> hope so. I, hope so. I don't <laughs> think they were quick enough yeah. you know no May twenty right <laughs> sold. Yeah, and we had we had great chats, and it was it was really good fun. And then obviously then our paths crossed because through Frank Turner Associates, we then help help you sell your your practice. So welcome, Ricky. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you? Yeah, yeah very good, good, good very good. good. Yeah. Enjoying uh, looking at the sunshine outside. Yeah, it's a good day. It's it a is. good day. It's I a know, very I good day. Most days are. the laptop outside, but all you would see is just like this for for an hour. So I thought, no. Yeah, you spend your you spend all your time squinting at the screen. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Not a good look. Not a good look. So before we got into your your dental career and um, you know what's happening in terms of kind of getting rid of the practice and what you're going to be doing in the future, can we roll kind of back to the beginning? What was your upbringing like? What were you like as a kid? I'd like to say I was wonderful as a kid, but I think you'd, I was you'd gonna have say, to say be honest, Rick. Yeah, be honest, yeah, be yeah. Should, we, should, we, should we get your dad in yeah, to give us a choice? Other data points to really <laughs> verify that, you know. Um, so <laughs> I was born and raised in London. I was, I've lived here my whole life. Uh, I have two brothers, one older, one younger. Um, so growing up, um, always a busy house, you know, lots going on. Both my parents were dentists. Um, wasn't something really. Oh, your mum's a dentist as well. I didn't yeah, realize. Yeah, both, both of my parents were dentists. Right. So yeah. it, was, it wasn't something growing up that that I really gave much consideration to. I just, you know, that's what you take for granted. It's normal. So I just figured mm, most yeah. parents are like that. They both work in the same place. They both, you know, uh, that yeah. kind of lifestyle and everything. But now I look back and I suppose dentistry was was a part of our upbringing for some time. Like literally, mm. dinner time conversations. It was just no very sugar. normal. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? No sweets. Yeah, yeah. I said no sugar, well, no sweets, no well, mints. That, that backfired. It's <laughs> fruit. Yeah, they they tried that when we were kids. They were like very strict, no sugar, right? Growing up. Oh, really? Yeah. And then at a, around, I think about age eight or nine, me and my brother discovered sweet, sweets. And we were like, <laughs> what, what is this? What is this? So I think for the next What have you kept then, hidden from us? Yeah, just kind of hid out, trying to eat as much sweets as we could get our hands on and stuff. Uh, <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, but no, I had a really nice childhood, obviously, um, growing up with with a couple of brothers. I think that's always nice as well. You never really feel alone, etc. Um, and then, yeah, as you say, I went to uh, I went to King's College, did dentistry, where I qualified about 2008. I try not to, to count the years anymore because it's not as much fun when you realise <laughs> how much time has passed between uh, milestones and stuff. Um, Ricky, Ricky, can I just ask, was it a conscious decision or... Was it sort of almost like, um, uh, you know, you'd absorbed it like an amoeba? And and did you think of any other options as career and make that decision to go to dentistry? You know, it's it's really interesting. If I'm if I'm honest, I, I'm still not sure to be honest with you. I've, <laughs> I've really looked back on it and I've, I've tried to to unpack it all and everything like that. And I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure. I think it's a bit of both to be honest. I remember when it was time to, you know. You're like what 16 and you, you get your uh they go right pick a career it's like well who yeah, knows choose what your you future want to, now yeah exactly <laughs> like decide the next 20 years of your life it's like who knows what you want to do but um for one of a better word i think i've always been a little bit add and and i could never really see myself at a very linear kind of desk job and, and that mm. kind of structure um so i remember when it was time to kind of look at those options I uh, did work experience in a couple of different places. And one of them was with my dad. Um, and I was just like, yo, you just basically play with toys all day long. Yeah, you're just playing <laughs> around buildings. This is basically like Meccano in someone's mouth. 
I'm great at Meccano. I can definitely do this. You know? I tell you what, that playing with toys, you've learned that skill well. <laughs> I'm not good. You love your toys. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. It's still the same. So, you know, it's one of, one of the passions that I had getting into dentistry was about that, about the technology, about the equipment, mm. you know, doing something. That's what I do think is amazing with dentistry. Like you get to, to mix doing something with your hands with something that's still academic, but then there's there's a lot of other layers on top of that from your communication to, yeah. you know, when we talk about running a business, it's like, you guys know, you could, there are so many different avenues within that from marketing mm. to leadership to, to the actual financials of it, all that kind of stuff. So mm. it layers a lot of different things on there. But I think what originally got me into, uh, yeah, was like, you know, physically getting to do something <laughs> with my hands. I really enjoyed that, that mm. thought of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think now... I think what's really good as well, Vicky, is is that you say, I'm not sure. And I think there's so much pressure on young people these days to be sure about everything. They like People are expected to know like the answers. And if you ask a question, you need to have this clarity and this life plan and stuff. But to hear you say, I'm not sure, I think it's quite refreshing. Yeah. Because, and perhaps that comes with a bit of maturity and the experience you've had. But so many young people don't have the confidence or mm. the wherewithal to say, uh, I'm not sure, I don't know. But that's the truth. The truth is that so many people don't really know what they want to do. Or, you know, they perhaps know they want to be a dentist, but beyond that, they don't know if they want to specialise. They don't know if they want to work in a hospital. They don't know if, if the NHS is right when they're private. And I think not knowing is okay, because I think if you're not sure, then it keeps your eyes and ears open to, to exactly. other opportunities and, yeah. and other thoughts, which is a good thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, if you don't, if you don't allow yourself that space to say, well, I'm not sure, then your radar mm. doesn't open up, like you're saying, no. to consider... Uh, alternatives which is funny how you mentioned that though because I do think that that does come a bit in with time and with age because at the beginning I would have never questioned if someone asked I'd be like I like toys I wanted to, to get into doing it for that, those kind of reasons etc now as I say like <clears throat> when I was um kind of my second year of university my well, actually before I went to university my mum sadly became ill with cancer so she was originally diagnosed with with six months and um she battled that for about five years and uh wow. that was now i look back on it and i can understand you know i was i was 17 16 17 at the time when that happened mm. so as i unpack the process of why i chose what i chose i can now understand that played a significant part in that you know it's not the overall mm. factor but it's a significant <laughs> part in that that i think yeah. part of me wanted to be like you know i got this i'm gonna take over the business don't worry, mm. that that kind of thing, you know? Um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting to to look back over time and kind of see what was at play there and if that, you know, what kind of difference that makes as to your future plans as well. Mm. Which, mm. as you mm. mentioned... Are your brother, uh, yeah, are your brothers in dentistry at all? No, no, they're not, no. So... Um, yeah, I'm the only I'm the only one that chose that path. I don't know if that makes me the smart one or the or the not so smart one. <laughs> no. uh, but yeah, so you qualified. So you came out. Um, you got your got your qualification. You're now in the big world as a qualified dentist. Um, did you move straight into working with your your dad, or did you did you go, go work in some other practices? Yeah, so it's, first? it's interesting. We looked at that together. You know, um, when it was getting close to qualifying, and then obviously one thing I wanted to do was do my VT year because that's you know quite an important step in, mm -hmm. in UK dentistry. Yeah. Uh, and we looked at the options of him becoming a VT trainer so I could just go straight there. Because even, even you know, in the last few years of, of university, I was still, or I was already learning how to run the business, helping him with parts of the business already. So it was like, well, I could get in there quicker. But um, now again, looking back, I'm really pleased what we decided was, look, go elsewhere because you're going to learn a whole different style of dentistry. You're going to get a whole different um, mindset from someone else. And then if that's mm. good, which, which it was, you can bring some of that in and it will be, you know, another perspective for you to have. Um, again, I guess... Really smart decision. Really yeah, smart and, decision. And at the time, I hadn't really thought forward enough that like, I'm going to be at this practice. You know, if you had told me I'd be at that practice for a decade, like in the same room, probably would have freaked me out. Like, I didn't, I didn't consider <laughs> wow. it. But now it's like, it was such a great opportunity because... Uh, one thing I think that's difficult for dentists is that we are in our own world. You know, it's nice to have connections. Mm -hmm. And if you're lucky, you've got some good other people around you at your practice that you can bounce ideas off of, go to help, etc. But day to day, we're mm -hmm. in that zone. We've got a nurse, 
You know, if you're lucky, you get on with your nurse, mm. but it's just you on your own. So having the opportunity mm. to work somewhere else in a different environment was was brilliant. And hopefully, mm. I think a lot it is of massively it. intense. I, I mm. can remember we used to do. So my background is banking, and you know, used to lend money to dentists and stuff like that. But it was only when we first bought Frank Tony's. Remember, we did a bit of consultancy, and I can remember sitting in actually a dental surgery just observing and i had never really appreciated how sort of intense it is mm. with that the, as you say ricky you know it's you a patient and a nurse but in reality your vision is it's yeah. sort of it's it's just looking straight down in this mouth and it's mm. it's you know we, we we you know if i get a bit bored i can get up and have a cup of tea or something whereas you <laughs> you can't go hang on a minute i'll tell you what i'll just go and i'm just gonna go and have a little break if that's yeah. all right i'm just gonna go and have a little wander <laughs> around the reception have a coffee it's it's so intense from from not only a physical you know because the position you're in but also mentally i i, I hadn't mm. ever appreciated it until actually sitting watching a dentist work yeah. and also i think the economics of dentistry um it's changing but quite often it means that you're tied in that surgery for three and a half four four and a half days a week doing yeah. your thing and so the, the outside world feels quite distant yeah. It's not something that's that available to you because you are tied into that into that surgery. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, SAS um, teach you part of their, their torture training is they put you in a small room and play really loud whiny music at yeah. you. Well, that sounds a bit like a drill. It? <laughs> <laughs> it's a form of torture. <laughs> you know, if you looked at the SAS, probably all the dentists, yeah, no, no, bring on something else that's a little bit more tricky for me, please. Are you, are you suggesting that they should have that as part of undergraduate training, just lock you in a yeah, small room? Yes, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be brilliant, brilliant, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, and today you're going on a seven day course yeah. <laughs> with the SAS. Yeah. So you did your VT somewhere else, which was obviously a, a good experience and it, and it broadened you out and, and then you went and then worked in in the family practice yeah so then so probably would have been around 2009 something like that that's when i, I would have uh, gone and joined dad at adam's dental um and then more or less i more or less i've been there ever since you know um right yeah yeah and how did that that work because obviously you've got your dad who you know is is highly experienced, running a really successful dental practice, and then you kind of got the the I'm young. Trying to avoid the word older, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Andy I'm, knows I'm, it's I'm, being recorded, and I'm just going to get the excerpts of it. Probably closer to your dad's age than your age. I'm definitely closer to your dad's age than your. And so, but but you've got the two dynamics, haven't you? You've got, you know, someone that's young and hungry and enthusiastic and your dad's run the business for a while. And by virtue of that quite often, and we all can, you can get set in your ways. So you've got that kind of old established, I know what I'm doing, young, excitable energy. And then you've got the dynamic of father and son mm. as well. How did that melting pot kind of work to start and with? And can I Was just it? ask another question before you answer? Did you live at home at the time? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I lived home, so after my VT year, I came home and I was like, I need to uh, save money for for deposit on a house. So I, I planned to live at home for six months. Uh, a year and a half later, I bought my house. <laughs> so I'm just thinking when you're, you know, when you're adding in all that dynamic. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I answer yeah. the question. Sorry, now yeah. it was only I was no, thinking no, no, that's an ex, that's an extra dynamic, yeah, isn't it? Extra, not only have you got all it. those things Andy mentioned, but I've got to go home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's interesting. Like all in all, I'm I'm really lucky. You know, you've met my dad. We get on yeah, amazingly, yeah. yeah. And he's a very cool guy. Um, just it's eff- effortless. And honestly, like you're saying, when it is like you work together, you live together, you're you're planning the business like every second of every day. It it could be a lot, yeah. you know. Um, but no, we were really lucky, and I think that that like as you say, really those two completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Like dad's been around forever. I mean, he's now been like over 40 years he's been doing dentistry and yeah, and he's <laughs> successful at what he does. He has a, a very, very loyal patient database. You know, he's one of those dentists that people rave about and they'll wait a long time to see him, etc. cetera. Mm. Um, one of the things that, that initially I remember moving into the practice was like, there's no technology in there at all. No website, no computer, everything on paper, you know, the old record cards, all that kind of stuff. So I remember like our <laughs> first conversation with me explain, look, we're, we're going to go digital. Yeah. We're going to get to the stage where we're, everything's computers. It's your choice. Do you want to do that painfully slowly 
or should we just get it done? Let's upgrade everything all at once, blah, blah, blah. Um, and like with most of our decisions, we kind of landed somewhere in the middle there. Like if I had my choice, yeah, it right. would have been, well, I'm going out, I'm going to get five computers. We're going to upgrade everything. We do everything all at once and it's done. Um, I think if dad had his way, it would have maybe never happened. I don't know, but you know, we incrementally, uh, introduced that kind of thing in. Like, for example, we had an exact, bring an exact in was like a massive, now it's like obvious everyone's got, you know, that kind of stuff. But, but, uh, yeah. 12 years ago, you know, it was, it was a change of mindset for people. So we started just with the reception desk. Then we went, you know, digital for mm. the notes. Then we got our Itero and things kind of grew from there, you know? So I think for the the business side of it, it always worked quite well because there was a bit of balance for each of us, you know. Mm. Um, the clinical side, if I'm honest, like for me, that was one of the biggest challenges. Like I was aware from day one after my VT, having worked with my VT trainer, Rajan Sile in, in Windsor was just amazing for me. He was really, really uh, a great mentor and taught me a lot. But I walked into our practice knowing that my skills were nowhere near where dad's work, right? Mm. And nowhere near where I really I wanted them to be in order to deliver mm. the kinds of work that he was doing. So I had to kind of formulate a bit of a plan of what I'm going to do in the interim where I'm while I'm getting those skills up, you know, and uh, mm. two things that I did straight off the bat, which I think helped very early on was uh, certified as an Invisalign provider. Uh, and learning facial aesthetics mm -hmm. right. because those two things we didn't have at the practice already so there was no mm -hmm. kind of comparison there because if i tried going in doing veneers and crowns and whatever it's like well dad can do that mm -hmm. better so it gave me something unique to bring into the practice and then at the same time in the background kind of investing in myself and courses to to improve the clinical skills mm. it sounds like it went well and and Obviously, running alongside this, you've, you know, you said about building the clinical skills, but obviously there was the the business side of things as well. And did you ever see yourself as being a business owner? And did you have a plan? Was there kind of a, a driver, a motivation? Because obviously we deal with people that buy practices all the time and the motivation to run a dental practice varies from people that want to set the vision themselves, they want to manage a team, they want to control the finances, they want to set the clinical direction. Were you starting to think about what that... more time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what that might look like for you, you know, working with your dad as, as, as a, a co-owner in that business? Um, if, I, if I'm honest, I think uh, ignorance is bliss. And I think that if I had really known what it was to run a dental practice... I would have gone, thanks very much, chaps, but no, no thank you. Uh, I think yeah. that, you know, and, and maybe I see this, you know, with some friends and things who are like, oh, oh I'm off to buy my own practice. It's going to be great. And, and it is great in many, many ways. But there's, I think, a lot to it that people don't realize unless you're in there doing or that you guys have extensive experience with, you know, dealing with a lot of practice owners. So mm. you understand what, what goes on. I, I agree. I think naivety, I think naivety is a massively yeah. underrated business skill. Yeah. Mm. So if I'm honest, I was really naive kind of walking in. I just think, oh, this is going to be great. Like I'll be the boss. Someone's going to pay me some money every <laughs> now and again. I'll be on the beach collecting my paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was like, oh, that, that is not the case, man. That is not the case. <laughs> and then again, just like with the clinical skills, very quickly, I realized there's a lot to this, right? And there's a lot I need to learn. Mm. And there's a lot, mm. you know, I had different friends in, in similar but different um, situations in that, you know, if you've got a big bankroll behind you or, or you're in, you know, a different league, so to speak, where you can hire, I, I got a, a marketing team now, I got a compliance team now, I got a HR team now, I got this team, I got a front of house. Great. But if you're not, and all of that is down to you, hmm. and then you've got the clinical work, right. and, and then you're still just starting off, so you're trying to you know improve your clinical work now i look back on it mm. and i was like well i think the first five years i was most excited but it's the, the five mm. years i probably put the most into it like just a lot of effort a lot of effort it mm. is massive yeah. isn't it we we oh, i think yeah. we've mentioned it before we, we we do seminars about owning a practice and one of them we we, we throw up a, a slide that sort of says you've got to be sales manager marketing manager hr manager mm. finance manager yeah. managing director clinical director you know gdpr whatever mm. it is yeah. oh a husband wife you know 
friend, sister, whatever it might be. And then you've also got to be a dentist, but that's 95% of your day. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but also... The rest of it, you have to fit in round yeah. it. And it's, but going it's back so to the beginning, you know, when you're at King's College, you're, you're learning to be a dentist. There's mm. no time devoted to business, um, the discipline of business or anything, which from a patient point of view, I get, I yeah. want you to be a good dentist. You, the, whether you can mm. understand that or spreadsheet or devise a marketing strategy doesn't matter from a clinical point of view. But even as an associate and even more so as a practice owner, if you don't understand those core principles, running a business is really flipping hard work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember... Uh, again, like the first few years out, and I, I was really frustrated. I was like, "How could they not teach us any of this? Like, they didn't mm. even. To be honest, they didn't even really cover about <laughs> discussing fees with patients. You know, first time. Yeah. And yeah. I, I remember one of the first lines in private practice, like, you know, first weekend, it's like you're giving someone their treatment plan. I feel like going, "I'm really sorry. Here's your bill." You know. <laughs> Uh, and it takes a while. Apologetic, apologetic sale. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Honestly, that's that's how it was at the beginning, you know. But I think again, as you invest in yourself, as you become more confident that you're competent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I I genuinely wish I could do my own dentistry. Like, if I could treat my own teeth, I would. And that's mm. how I I feel like. Okay, I I uh, what's the word? I have faith that I'm good at what I do because I would genuinely allow myself mm. to do that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're still a young guy and you've already sold your practice. Say context so what was is the driver king, man. to sell context the practice? I'm gonna take that that I'm young. I'm gonna yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> exactly. We we'll, we'll take that as an excerpt. Yeah, it's all relative. When, when it, like you say, you can put that on your on your Snapchat or your Instagram story. <laughs> yeah. Ricky's Rick still young. Acted, yeah. <laughs> um but what was the driver to sell up? And for you, was that was that a hard decision? And, and I know it would have been a joint decision with your dad, but what was your kind of little process on that? Yeah, it was it was a really hard decision, to be honest. Um, and it's something that, that happened over a long period of time, really. The consideration of it. The actual sale, and we'll get into that in a bit, because obviously you, you guys know you supported us through that. The actual sale seemed to happen all at once, right at the end. But the yeah. thought process behind it... Um, you know, rewinding back uh, when my when my mum became ill, I got really into, you know, struggled with with a lot of stuff, and I uh, ended up doing a lot of work in the arena of personal development and that kind of stuff. So, mm. became an NLP practitioner, um, certified hypnotherapist, did lots of training with other personal development companies where, where I did some intense work there. And for me, that that made a huge difference in my life, you know, and allowed me, like we were saying before, to kind of look back on stuff and unpack. Well, why did why did I make the decisions that I made? Why am I doing mm. the things that I'm doing? And you know, genuinely looking at what do I want in my life and in my lifestyle, you know. And with that, mm. Dad started to make noises about one day I'm going to retire, right? Like one day, you know, that's going to happen. What's the plan? Do you want to do this all on your own? Do you want to get a partner? Do you da 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 da? And so. I think it came from from a place of of genuinely looking at and if i'm honest like i i discovered probably four or five years in when i was doing four or five days a week dentistry i was like this is not for me honestly clinical mm. work uh, dad loves it and i have friends that are like that yeah like 40 hours a week clinical just sounds bloody amazing to them yeah and I, that's never been the case for me so I kind of settled on a part-time lifestyle for, for a while of running the business, never had a practice manager. So I did that and then did my dentistry, but even still, you know, it's a lot. Um, and yeah, I looked at, you know, what do I want for the next 10, 20 years? Uh, and I wanted something mm. different. And that was really, it was really mm. difficult because like, like we were saying from before, I kind of got into it and it, I went with, okay, this is where my life's going. Now I'm going to become a dentist. I got qualified. Okay, great. Now I just want to come fucking great dentist. All right, here's how you do that. Mm. You invest in yourself. Mm. Da, 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 da. Okay. Five years has passed. Now you're a good dentist. I like to think, okay, now what? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Let's grow the practice. Okay. To what stay? And a lot of stuff happens yeah. and you're not really thinking further down the line than that, you know? So yeah, it was the first time I started to think, what do I want for the next 10 years? And I thought, Really, if I'm honest, I want something different. I want a bit more space to explore other opportunities. And mm. I just felt like having a, a dental practice, the way that we made it successful is I kept like 24 seven, you're thinking about that practice. You love that practice. Yeah. What, the, the key phrase for me for business owners, whatever it takes, 
whatever it takes, that's yeah. what we're going to do, you know? And, and that's where I think between us, we were successful with that. Um, mm. And then, yeah, I think probably maybe now about four years ago, we, we started thinking about it. And again, it's like, well, I've never considered that. I, I had no idea what was involved in selling a business, mm. right? I remember the first time I started, you know, we were looking at partnerships as well. I didn't know anything about that. And then, you know, considering selling and stuff. I remember the first time someone said to me, oh, you, you know, the tie-in period. I was like, fuck, so what are you talking about? What's a tie-in period? They're like, yeah, like a lot of places are going to ask you three to five years. I swear to God, when someone said to me, like, three to five years tired, I, I could have cried, man. I was like, are you fucking kidding me, man? What's what's the point in selling? It's like three to five years tired. I couldn't <laughs> yeah, believe yeah. it, you know? And um, again, it, it goes back to naivety. I think if I, if I could give my younger me mm. advice, it would have been, you know, from day one, from getting out of dental school, have a five, 10 year plan. Consider consider your options as well. Okay, maybe after that you want to stay yeah. on, maybe you want to exit. But if you went to either of those pathways, what would you need? And what would that mm. need to look like, you know? So I think we didn't really, I didn't consider that until those wheels were in, in motion, um, mm. probably before we kind of reached out to people like you guys. All right, then you quickly educate yourself about, okay, this is what's involved um and then look at you know where you're at luckily we were in a good position because we had you know like i said we we worked hard and, and we just continued to grow the practice and by yeah, that yeah. time we were at a phase where i was like okay i've taken this now to where where it can go with this level of input right i knew mm -hmm. i know what needed to happen to get it to double in size i was just really honest i i prefer not to do that with my next 10 years yeah if the shit hit the fan and everything else went sideways, that was my plan B. I was like, okay, cool. I got a five-year mm. plan now. I'm going to do this myself, blah, blah, blah. But um, mm. yeah, you know, we, we started to look at other options and then, you know, we, we looked at lots of different agencies and this was before we knew you guys, you know? Um, and again, yeah, yeah. it's a very difficult situation, like uh, speaking to companies and you kind of feel like it's a bit cloak and dagger because you've got to explore these possibilities you don't want anybody to know you're exploring yeah. them, um, but you've got to have mm. lots of lots of different conversations. And that's we came across Frank Taylor and Associates. And I think through uh, after like our first round, met everybody, blah blah blah, and we just like we feel we feel right with with Frank Taylor's like your team. I can't even remember. It's not terrible. I can't remember the point of contact that we had, but they were very good, you know. And Dad and I, yeah. I think in many things when it comes down to people, will go on what feels right. You know, and it's yeah. like, okay, fact and figure, that's important. Like you need to look after us. We want to do it right. But these are people we felt we could work with and trust. Um, so yeah, so then, mm -hmm. then we kind of signed up with you guys. And I, I have to check, but I feel like it was probably a month before COVID happened that we were like, right, Frank Taylor's, let's do it. You know, so it's like two it was, years of it, 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 doing it, all options. It, it was, yeah. fans, back and forth, back and forth, which is a painful place to be as well, by the way. Like, it's it's uncomfortable when you're not sure. Once you've made a decision, it's better because you've got a you've got what's an that, idea. What's that phrase they have? If you sit on the fence, you get splinters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think looking back on it, that and and the two years of COVID were the most difficult because it was like the first mm. two years sitting on the fence. Then it was like, okay, we make a decision, we're doing it. And then it was like, yeah, yo, the world's on pause. Whatever your plan mm. was, good luck with that, right? And, but, um, but I think there's a couple of things in what you say. I think that that thing you said about how long it took you to think through what you want to do, that is not unusual. We have so many people who could be have thought about selling for one or two mm -hmm. years before they'll engage with us. And they'll have, they've been chewing it over in their mind and stuff. And in some ways, it's a shame because we've been through this hundreds of times before. So if people speak to us a bit earlier, we can talk to them about partnership options and yeah. exits and time periods and deferred consideration and blah, blah, blah. We, we That's our world. And uh, it, I think it's always a bit of a shame where people go through that themselves. And I think a lot of it is people don't quite know what they want to do yet. And there is that cloak and dagger. I don't want to talk to too many people because it's, yeah. all, it's all private. But also that thing about working with people that you feel you can get on with, you know, it, with a following wind, you might sell your practice in six months, but it could be a, a seven, eight, nine month process. So I 100% agree. And and it's funny because it applies to us as well. We also want to work with clients we like. 
Mm. We want to work with people that we feel we can build a relationship with. Yeah. So hearing from your side of things, actually, were they the sort of people who we could have those mm. yeah. good but sometimes tough conversations with? Those are the sort of people that you want working with you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I, I heard somewhere years ago, and it's one of those things I try to get out of my head because I don't like it that it's in there. But someone once said to me, for big life-changing decisions, the average life, uh, the average time from inception to execution is five years. Yeah, and I was like, that's horrible. I don't want to believe that. But like now I look yeah. at it, and it's like nearly to the day. Like from the day I was like, okay, yeah. I need to consider my options to the day where it's like you're out. That was five years. Wow. Yeah, really? it's a long time. It's, it's a, a long up, time, isn't it? It's oh, a yeah. Up, yeah. So we have quite a lot of um, practice owners listen to the podcast. So for you, what what was that sale process like from your perspective? So you've you've kind of hit the button, uh, taking COVID out of the equation because that obviously created a delay from the point at which kind of it, it started to happen in terms of it was on the market. Yeah. From your perspective as a, as a as a client and somebody who owned the practice, what what did that look like? So I think the, the first phase was really understanding like how you guys value the businesses, what are the important metrics within that, what things between first point of contact with you guys to the sales done, what things can and might vary those, you know, the, yeah. the costs and considerations within that and understanding that. <clears throat> and then, of course, getting getting a valuation. Um, and that's where, like, I think if you do have lots of practice owners and like you were saying, for me, I wish that we'd come across each other years before, because if I had mm. years, like, let's say four years before that or a few years before that, understood, OK, when you come or if you decide to say your practice, these are really important things. Right. Then it would have allowed, like we were saying before, your brain to be on the lookout for things that can help in that process. Mm. Um, mm. And really, it's just there would have been no negative to that. It was either A, you just never considered it, or B, maybe it yeah. made it, it makes it feel quite real when you start reaching out and you start having those kind of conversations, you know? Mm. And even even the, the process of then, okay, so you guys say, right, that's your valuation, we're putting it on the market, uh, having to arrange viewings and stuff like that was really awkward. It was really difficult. Like we've been with our team, a lot of our team been with us for decades. And we, we never want to, to lie to them. But at the same time, mm. you know, that that confidentiality that, that you guys recommend for us from the beginning, it's really important because from, from day mm. one, a lot of those people you meet, they're no good. There's, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out. Mm. If your whole team know that, you could have mass exoduses on your hands before you've mm. even got one, one foot yeah. down the line, so to speak. So, um, yeah, that, that was very, very strange, so to speak. But... Um, no, I think, again, that's where for me, having the agency, like basically Frank Taylor's managed all of that. We just go, okay, that's the window. Yeah. We rock up. We meet people for the first time round. Um, obviously for us, because it was start and stop, I think we did one round of viewings. Then it was then it was lockdown. Um, yeah. And then just nothing happened for a while. I, I just assumed dental practices, no one's selling a practice now. No one's buying now, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> So there was a, there was a weird kind of hiatus moment there, and and for me again, I remember speaking with Dad. I was like, right, Plan B, get moving. We're going on Plan B. That Plan B is we're growing this fucking. Sorry, <laughs> we're growing this. We're doing this. <laughs> we're getting started. Uh, yeah. So the first half of that first six months of that lockdown was about that. It was about quickly, mm -hmm. you know, doing what everyone had to do with the SOPs and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, even while the surgeries closed make sure that we've got business that's drumming up ready for mm. when we're open, you know? But on that point, Ricky, we, we always say to people, even if you're in the process of selling your business, you should still run it on a day-to-day -day basis like you're not selling it. Because if you start making decisions based on you're selling it, mm, yeah. they're probably not going to be great decisions. So I think what you did, perhaps unbeknown to you, was the absolutely right mm. thing to do because you invested in it, you grew it, you kept your numbers up. Yeah. And then when it got to the stage where it was back on the market, it, it looked even better. Yeah. So it was a it was a really smart decision. Yeah, and I think you know that was one of our initial conversations was either with with you or probably with one of your team that was literally that's what they said to me, and I was like, great. Yeah. Because that's how I plan to operate anyway. Like yeah. I tr I liked Frank Taylor's, and I was hopeful that you would deliver, but I'm not pinning my my hopes on, <coughs> on that kind of faith. I'm like, great. Oh, yeah. If you guys no, do right. this, amazing. If not, until the day it's signed. I'm operating that yeah. you fail and I continue and I and I go for plan B. And as mm. you say, I yeah. think that's the way to do it. Yeah. 
And I think you know, for otherwise you effectively time, almost run it down. We we, yeah. we get we find it really disappointing when you you know as in it's a shame for the guys who are selling that they 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 sort of get a practice. They then put it on the market. They then get it sold, Ricky, and then they spend the next nine months sort of just taking their foot off the pedal. And the problem is that when it then comes to the end date and everyone's having to produce figures to make sure it's doing what it was doing, yeah. they've sort of managed mm. to reduce the value of their practice yeah. just because they've eased yeah. off a bit. Yeah. And which it's is, like, no, 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 you've got to you keep your foot going. Yeah. Until that money's in your bank account, it's still yours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you think about that, that scenario, Chris, it's like that person has hustled their ass off for 10, 20, yeah. whatever years, and that last yeah. nine months cost yeah, exactly. you what, 25% or something of your, whatever yeah, it, it may could be. be. It could be. That's it's almost like running a marathon, isn't it? And then deciding that, you know, you're within the the, the finish line and you decide you're going to stop and have a little cup of tea and a, yeah. um, and slowly wander over and wonder why you don't win. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but, but yeah. it's a great message for anyone listening yeah, is, yeah. you know, if you are selling, <laughs> until yeah. it's done, it's yeah. not done. It's and still yours. I think, I think for us as well, like we were... One of the things we said straight away when we spoke to you guys, we were like, look, you know, there's there's only certain criteria. Whoever it is that we sell, we prefer mm. we don't want to sell to a corporate. Um, and we want all of our uh, dentists to be kept on with their contracts honoured. We want all of our staff looked after. We ideally like a situation where we can stay on with kind of flexible terms with the view that if everybody likes each other, we'll just keep rolling, you know? Um, mm, yeah. And what I said when I, when I met, people and, and especially when we met um dental beauty who we ended up um buying uh, selling to and, and amit our, our principal is that you know my intention here is that when you come in i'm going to hand you over this business the best shape it's ever been in with the mm. best team that yep. it's been in with you know the best robust financials and equipment and everything right and and that's what we delivered as well and even when when sale day came and and after that i'm like i gave exactly what i promised right and he's like yeah did and that's what yeah. I would want because that would give me, if I was the incoming buyer, that would give me the best opportunity to make it work. And for me as the seller, yeah. who's mm. hopefully going to stay on there, I want the best environment. I want to be around people oh. who are successful, who are being successful, who are enjoying it as well. Mm. And also from a personal integrity point of view, we all want to be involved in a yeah, in definitely. a positive, good transaction. Yeah, exactly. You know, like you say, I think it's good for, for everybody involved, but for the profession as well. For And in yours, it's slightly different as well because it's kind of a legacy. Yeah. You know, it's like dad's yeah. practice. You want to make sure yeah. that you pass it into good hands so that, you know, when you're still working there, but in future years when you drive past it, you look up and you can be proud that yeah. that was what, what was created and passed into into new ownership. Yeah, 100%. So you're, you're, so you're done with practice practice ownership you, you you've now sold is is that it do you think you'll ever go back into practice ownership or have you got the have you got the badge <laughs> well i got the badge you can't take that away from me mate i got the badge away. <laughs> but uh it's it's funny i over time i learned to say I, I i would never say never to anything you know so mm, yeah um i'm open to what the future holds it's strange because going back to what we we're talking about before even though I didn't understand the thought process at the time of why I decided to get into dentistry. Now I look back on those initial years. What was really comforting was I was like, I'm going to become a dentist. Okay, that's the pathway mm -hmm. to become a dentist. It's very, you know, thought out. I knew what I was going to do and I just follow that plan. Then it was like, okay, now yeah. become a good dentist. Okay, you just need to do this. You follow that plan. Okay, now I want to grow my practice. All right, well, this is what you're going to need and you just follow that. Now, like for the first time ever, I chose something because I was like, okay, this is not what I want. So I need to do this, get out. And if I'm honest, I still don't really know what the ideal scenario of what I do want is. But what I've done that's is cool, allowed myself the space yeah. to explore that a little bit, you know? And that's people are like, what, what's your plans for the, for the first year or so? I'm like, have a bit of time, explore those things and, and see what happens next. So I'm quite open to what could happen the one thing although i never say never i'm 99.9 percent .9 sure is i don't think i would want to run a business a dental practice on my own right yeah so i think oh, well, that's probably guaranteed gonna happen yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah that point <laughs> that, that, that point one percent is coming put that marker down <laughs> it's gonna happen yeah. no i mean you know even even like the model of dental beauty is a very interesting one or partnerships or those kind of collaborations hmm. i could see I think that again, even even looking at one of the reasons why I decided to exit, I think that 
that being a principal and running everything on your own, it's nearly impossible. Now I really understand the business model of dentistry. Mm. Even if you have unlimited bankroll and you go, okay, even, even if you have a full-time practice manager, you still need other departments. You need your marketing department, you know, you need your HR, you need your, your um, compliance. That can't all be one person, but that's what it was. It was all one person for so long. And it's still the case, yeah. I'm sure, with many, many dental practices, right? So it's like when people speak to me about, oh, I'm planning to do this, this is what I'm gonna do, 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 I'm like, you can do it that way. You can, and I did. If you're asking, it wouldn't be my recommendation. My recommendation would be to outsource or or get teams in for as much of that as you can. What you can't and you have to shoulder, fine, but shoulder it for as small a period of time as possible and plan mm. in to get all those other, you know, departments work. And also it allows you to then focus on the bit that you're you're trained for, which yeah. is the clinical bit. That's that's the bit that you spend minimum five years learning on and a load of postgraduate courses staying good at. Yeah. So if you can create time to do the clinical bit. There are other people who arguably are better qualified and better resourced yeah. to provide yeah. those business yeah, support yeah. services, unless you're the sort of dentist. So somebody like Dev, who's obviously, you know, um, the, the guy that runs Dental Beauty, yeah. he's he's taken a conscious decision to invest in the business side of things. Yeah. So whilst he's a qualified dentist, business is his thing now. Yeah. But I think increasingly what you say is, is is right i think trying to cover off clinical and business and, and do the whole gambit as an individual yeah. is becoming increasingly challenging yeah 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 i agree so mind mind body and soul has been a big part of of you and and how you think and and that whole makeup of you um has that i mean you, you you talked about kind of when you started doing that when you when your mum was was unwell is that something that could feature in your your career going forward or is that just personal interest stuff yeah a bit a bit of both i i hope i i would hope that we can bring some of that um to the industry in a way that's of value to people because you know undoubtedly the the clinical skills and courses that i invested in made a huge difference to my my clinical mm. career but in terms of overall what's made the biggest difference in my life i think those kind of um you know those, those investing in yourself and understanding more about yourself has made the biggest difference and i think that if we can bring some of that to other dentists that would be of value to them that that would be amazing you know i think sometimes mm. we forget we, we hang out with so many uh passionate happy dentists who are like in private dentistry etc that there's a lot of stressed unhappy dentists out there you know yeah and a lot of people you know when i was at uni i don't know if it's still the same but it was you know to talk about dentistry having one of the highest suicide rates right and it's mm. like there are there are lots of people that for whatever reason feel trapped within within our industry and i feel yeah. like there's a lot of space for some really good uh personal development courses out there um so yeah i, I hope that maybe we can bring some of that in um mm. i think yeah. that you know, it has it has an impact for us on our on our day to day lives in terms of our experience of life and how enjoyable it is. But I think also in the areas where like I'm really passionate, it's made a difference for me. It's like okay, well, when you're up to something, when you're you have goals, you have intentions. How can you try and keep yourself as accountable as possible and on that path as much as possible? You know, we're all going to mm. stumble and fall, but it's a question of how quickly we can get back on and then execute that yeah. which we were committed to and that's where i think mm. that really there's some real enjoyment and fun in in personal development you know uh, and then that yeah. also comes down to how even how we met and stuff on clubhouse and everyone yeah. that we met on there it's about creating a community of like-minded people that are interested in in that forward movement you know and all right we might all yeah. have very different projects very different avenues that we're on but when we're all you know committed to moving forward it creates that um that momentum that just that helps you along the way mm. Mm. it's interesting because you're you're somebody who when we first met through clubhouse you use the word collaboration a lot and it's it's genuine in the i've got something you've got something you've got something and i think by working together with the sum of those parts is going to be mm. much better than us trying to do those things individually and i think as we move forward i think there'll be a lot more collaboration yeah. of people bringing their their bit to the to to, to the uh, to the pie yeah. um and that will hopefully push us forward at, at a faster pace which would be cool yeah yeah 
And you know, I, I Ricky, go on. <coughs> no, go on. No, I was just going to say, I, I hope that now, as I start to have a bit more time, it'll be like, oh, what are you doing with your days off? What are you doing with your tasks? Like, yo, I don't know, but I'm feeling them. I'm always busy, man. I can't believe it, you know. And one of the things, as you as you mentioned, one of my hobbies is videography, and uh, yeah, I, I wanted to start, you know, spending more time doing that, and and I have done recently. I feel like, how's it going? I was like, horrible. Like it's it's starting because I got it took me ten years to get good at dentistry, and I'm good at dentistry, and I'm like, oh, I've got a new hobby. Now I want to get good at this. Okay, great. You get started, it's like starting at the very bottom, you know, and slowly improving, slowly improving. But it made me think. I think that's that's part of part of my personality, and maybe it's it's common with a lot of dentists that what we do enjoy is learning a new skill. Go okay, mm. at zero now. This is where I want to get to. How do I get there? Mm. That's the plan. All right, let, let's get going. You know, so that's mm. that's slowly starting to come along, and I'm I'm very grateful to have more time to spend on those things. And um, you know, I'm speaking with with Tom and some others that have been part of my personal development journey about how we can maybe create content, maybe create some courses, or maybe just create some content to bring the topics of the stuff that we've been talking about or been part of our journey for so long, and make that more accessible yeah. to other dentists. Hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be good. And, and like I said, I do like your videography stuff. I've seen the stuff that you've done in gyms recently. Yeah. It's cool. It's really, Thanks, it's really yeah. neat stuff. Really neat stuff. So we're going to move on to our two questions that we always ask dun, guests. Dun, dun. Uh, so we always like to to wrap up with these two. And the first one is: if you could be the fly on the wall in a situation, <laughs> and you could look in on a on a scenario, what what would you like to to look in on? Do you know? I should really have had better answers prepared for these questions because you answered the end of your podcast, yeah. But if I could be a fly on the wall for any, so the question is any scenario, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, a, there's, like a, there's, a there's a situation playing out, and you can watch it. And some of them have been they've ranged from super serious to extremely frivolous. So so don't worry, this <laughs> <laughs> is the answer. There's no one that is going to go. Oh, that's terrible. Because they've all been like, oh, that's serious. Oh, that's just silly. <laughs> well, if if I had to be, a, if I could be a flying wall at any point of time, it would probably be at the, at the start of the universe, so I can see how the universe began. Yeah. Huh? If we if we get yeah, to pick cool. any point in time, you know, other than that, I know it might sound a really boring answer. I would other other than that, maybe around Jesus's resurrection around that time, see what was going on, yeah. see what actually yeah, happened back there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're two, they're, I mean, they're, they're two big moments in in history, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. You know, you've you, you, you've not gone for the small stuff. Yeah. Jesus and the Big Bang. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Now, is there a connection? Well, sorry, that's just my as, my faith coming in there. Is <laughs> well, and and whether it will be linked to our, our last question, which is if you could meet anybody, um, who would you who would you like to meet if you got the opportunity? If I could meet anyone, fact or fictional? You know, say again. Living or dead? Living or dead? Yeah. Fact or fiction? Living or dead? If I could meet anyone, I mean, if if I could spend time with anyone again, it would it would be to meet my mum and spend time with my mum mm. again if I could. But um, yeah. apart from that, I would like to meet my grandfather, my dad's father, because he was orphaned at a young age. And um, it's really, you know, if ever you speak to him about his childhood, it's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal story <coughs> that he became the person that he became, which is, you know, just such an amazing individual. Um, and he was orphaned at a young age. And I would, I would go back to meet my grandfather and find out the story behind that, about why that happened oh, wow. and yeah. why he abandoned his child. Wow. Oh, Sorry, wow. that's a bit deep, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, that's one to hang on, isn't it? You know, right, well, just at the end, and the abandoned his child. You're going to get people going, what was that? What, that? What's more about the story? Yeah. Uh, uh, listeners and viewers in part two of the Ricky Adams podcast, we will unpack. <laughs> but what was lovely was the way, the way you presented that, it didn't sound to me like there's any judgment in there. It was just, I'd no, like to understand. Yeah. I'd like to find out more and understand it. It's not, you know, I didn't hear any bitterness or judgment about it. It was just a case of, I'd just like to understand kind of what went on and what mm. happened. Yeah. And again, you know, going back to the whole personal development and stuff, and that's what, what we realized that, you know, we may have our thoughts and opinions and emotions about stuff that happened. But genuinely, I believe that every human is making the best decisions with what they have mm. in their life and in their mind, yeah. you know. So when people make decisions, it, it makes sense to them. 
but we just yeah. don't understand mm. it. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think there's. I think there's only a very few people, um, and they don't operate in a, in the same way to everybody else who set out to make bad decisions. I think people, on the whole, aim to make good decisions. And in hindsight, or with additional information, they might have made a different decision. However, in that moment, you can only make a decision based on what you know, and oh, it it yeah. might turn out to be a bad decision. But I didn't mean that you tried to make a bad decision. But but they thought it was a good decision. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. That's, that's the the thing exactly yeah. Ricky it's been absolutely fascinating very thought provoking as yeah, I thought brilliant. it as it would be and thank you for sharing your story in terms of selling your practice as well because I think a lot of people support as well well not at all a lot of people don't ever go through this once in their life so I yeah. think to hear a first hand account of what it was like for you will be really useful to people yeah. mm. brilliant no brilliant really cool. good lovely, it's lovely to catch good up to with you again, and no Ricky. doubt we'll, uh, we'll get together for dinner at some point soon I can't wait excellent right. look after everybody guys Cheers. See you later. What a brilliant conversation it was with Ricky. Really, really enjoyed Oh, lovely bloke. Lovely bloke. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's interesting, isn't it, you know, to have, because um, he's a young seller. Yes. You know, in, in, in probably, you look at most of the people that sell practices, that he's, he's in the younger. Yeah, end. I was going to say, they probably start mid 40s, run yeah. up to sort of late 50s, yeah. early 60s, something fasc- like that. I, I think it's fascinating that thing, you know, mum and dad were dentists. Yeah. And did he become a dentist because of them and 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 what was interesting he genuinely didn't know you know is no it, is and it, i thought it was refreshing that he said i don't know we talked about it in the episode because i think there is so much pressure on people to have clarity around what they want and what oh, they're doing yeah, and their decisions yeah. and it's not on you know it's all right to say i'm not sure i don't know i, I still need to kind of discover what what's the right thing for me choose what you want for the next 45 yeah, years of your life at 16 exactly. but also okay, that that kind of digging into the psyche and the emotions of selling a business and how long he spent thinking about it. And mm. I think we experience that. We speak to lots of people who've had this running around in their head for sometimes a couple of years before they start to engage mm. and, and seriously start talking about selling a practice. And I think it is just that it takes a while to get your head around making the big decisions in life. Yeah, that jump off. It's almost yeah. like jumping out of a plane, isn't it? Yeah. You, you worry about it, and then once you've gone, you've sort of gone. Mm. And for Ricky, he had the added complexity of, of being in business with his father as well. Yeah. So it wasn't dynamic. That, yeah, it? it's not just a case of the decision for him. It's, you know, his father's needs, and, mm. you know, his father's going to be older than Ricky, of course, and Ricky's still being a bit younger, but mm. also having a career in dentistry. So it's not it's not a simple path to navigate, no, but it was good they got the result they wanted. Yeah. Um, it seems he's got some some thinking to do about his next stage in yeah, life. It'll be interesting, it'll be interesting what happens next. Yeah, it? yeah, no, it was really well, enjoyable. No, it was a really good one. Yeah, it was. It was Thank you good. for listening to this episode of Dentology, where we discuss the business of dentistry. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe where you found this episode. That would be amazing. And also follow us on Instagram. <laughs>